how artificial intelligence is improving ERP systems, when ancient wisdom meets digital transformation, and Infor versus SAP. Those are just a few of the topics that we're going to cover today in episode number 126 of Transformation Ground Control. This is Transformation Ground Control. Your source for all things business, technology, strategy, and change. If you're growing your business, leading change within your organization, or undertaking any sort of operational or technology change initiative, this podcast is for you. This show covers what you need to know about digital transformation, organizational change, operational improvement, and business growth. Five, four, three, two, one. And now, here's your host, Eric Kimberly. Hello, welcome to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 126. This is the podcast that has everything to do with digital transformation, including the people, process, technology, and strategy aspects of transformation. My name is Eric Kimberling, your host here today, along with Kyler Cheatham. Kyler, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, as always. Yeah, I'm glad to have you here. I'm the CEO and founder of Third Stage Consulting. You're with Third Stage Consulting as well, and we are an independent digital transformation consulting firm that helps clients throughout the world reach their third stage of digital transformation success. Thank you for being here today. You can find new episodes of this show every Wednesday on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as audio podcast platforms throughout the world. So be sure to check us out on Amazon, Apple, Google Podcasts, wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. So great show for you in store today. Uh, First of all, we're going to get to some questions from the audience in our opening segment, as well as some hot topics. Uh, In those hot topics, we're going to cover the sweet spot of change. We're going to talk about how artificial intelligence is improving Microsoft Dynamics 365. And we're also going to talk about the top ERP podcast, according to Solutions Review. So we'll uh, cover those hot topics in the opening segment. And then later in the show, we'll have our first guest, who is Judith O'Callaghan, who's going to be on the show talking about when ancient wisdom meets digital transformation. So we're going to uh, chat with Judith, who is a digital transformation leader, but she's also an author and she writes a lot about ancient wisdom and quotes from ancient times and ties it back to leadership, business transformation and digital transformation. So that, that should be a, a great conversation. And then last but not least, later in the show, we are going to play and analyze a video clip from our YouTube channel about, uh, or it's, it's actually a comparison of Infor versus SAP. And it's a video that Kyler and I uh, created that uh, we'll play for you and and chat with you about later in the show. But before we get to those later segments, uh, let's get to some of these questions that the audience has for us, Kyler. Absolutely. Well, we've got um, some fresh questions in our question jar. Um, If you do follow Eric or Third Stage on any of our social media accounts, you can pop your question in the comments wherever you're watching. Um, You can also pop them in now and we pull them and ask Eric them live. He's never seen them before. So we like to put him on the spot here. So this is a great question from your YouTube channel. it says, Eric, I'm curious on your take on digital transformation with gener- generative AI coming into the mix. What other factors may come into play or evolve with this incorporated AI and associated governance as part of their digital transformation journey? Meaty question there. That is meaty. Um, and in fact, I just recorded a, a YouTube video about this topic. So the, the video will probably be released in the next two weeks, I imagine. Um, 
But um, what I'd say is that artificial intelligence has done a lot, I think a lot of good things for uh, ERP. Some of it is fundamental type stuff that you could argue we should have been doing all along. Uh, for example, one of, the, one of the things I talk about in the video is how uh, data management now is even more important than ever because you have to have good data in order for AI and AI models and generative AI to, to work. And you also have to really understand all your different sources of data too. So that's one positive impact that AI has had on uh, ERP software. But I think uh, perhaps even more material than that is going to be the, the effectiveness and efficiency gains that AI has on the usage of ERP systems. So if you compare AI as one extreme to an older extreme of ERP systems where you used to have like the, the green screen four digit transaction codes where it wasn't even menu driven, you had to memorize these transaction codes um, like, you know, GT56 or whatever would be a certain transaction and whoever in the organization did GT56 that whatever that transaction is had that memorized. They knew what code to enter and that's how they sort of conducted their, their processes. But now with generative AI, you can just ask the computer, please run this report or please tell me how much inventory we have on hand of this one particular part. You don't necessarily need to even memorize, certainly not a transaction code and not even a menu uh, path. Now it's more, you just type in the interface. Um, in, in some cases, you're, you're able to just ask the system the questions that you want answered. So uh, that I think is, is probably one of the biggest gains is just the fact that now you have more accessibility and you can more accessibility to information and you can also interact with the system in a way that we've just never seen before. So those are some of the, the biggest uh, changes that, that we're seeing. Absolutely. Um, well, looking forward to that video and, and definitely stay tuned uh, for our hot topics for more on that specifically with Microsoft Dynamics um, as well. So Get another one here. This one is actually from TikTok. And just for some context, it's for your uh, secret to effective demos, um, software demos video. And this um, comment says, we see proof of concept, but it doesn't bring any value to our overall demo. What's your feedback on that? Well, I, I'm not sure how exactly this particular person is using proof of concept, but we have seen it be successful with our clients. And, and we don't generally don't refer to it as proof of concept, though, we generally refer to it as more of day in the life. So in other words, instead of just showing us a sales pitch, show us what it looks like in the day in the life of running our business using your software. And that forces you to really focus on the, um, the specific transactions and business processes that are unique to you as a business and that you, you do day to day to run your business and you're, you're getting to evaluate the system through that lens. Proof of concept is generally referred to situations where you've already, you're already leaning towards a certain system. You've already been through demos, but now you want to go deeper and have the um, software vendor or the implementer build out specific functionality for you. And oftentimes that's a paid engagement, but it's sort of a pilot. You know, you're just, you're paying the vendor to build out their software in a way that could fit your business. You try it out, see if it works. And if it does, then you presumably you know, move forward with a, a bigger transformation or a bigger implementation of that software. So I'm not sure what, you know, what the context of the question is, but that's generally the difference that we see between sort of day in the life, which we'd use as part of the demo process versus proof of concept, which is usually post demo. And it's usually, it's usually post demo, but there's still some lingering doubt or there's still some proof that needs to be seen within the organization that the software works. 
It sounds like the importance distinction there is on the business side of making sure your demo scripts are effectively achieving all the milestones you need to see as a uh, as a business, as opposed to letting the vendor drive that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, the key. That's the key is just making sure it's not a sales pitch and that it's actually getting down to brass tacks as far as your specific functions and operations. Yeah, and, and I'd be curious to hear from the audience too, because software demos can be a, a huge uh, challenge or pain point for a lot of the clients that come to us to ensure that they're meeting their technical and business objectives. What is kind of the number one um, tactic you'd utilize or your experience when it comes to software demos? What's something that, that definitely people shouldn't miss when it comes to those uh, very important strategic decisions? Yeah. So pop, pop that in the comments um, and we'll kind of come back to that. Uh, but we have some exciting hot topics that I really want to get to today. Um, so I know Eric will kind of cover that after we take a quick break. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to in that uh, after we take that break, we're going to get into a few hot topics. One is going to be the sweet spot of change. We're also going to talk about speaking of AI, we're going to talk about how AI is improving D365 or can improve Microsoft D365 and by extension, also improve, I suppose, other uh, ERP systems as well. And then we're also going to talk about the top ERP podcasts, according to Solutions Review. Uh, spoiler alert, we might be on that list. I'm not sure. We'll find out. <laughs> um, and then later in the show, uh, we're going to have Judith O'Callaghan on, who's going to talk about when ancient wisdom meets digital transformation. And then last but not least, uh, later in the show, Kyler and I will talk about Infor versus SAP. So be sure to stick around. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Transformation Ground Control. We'll be right back. If you are aiming for transformation success, turn to Third Stage Consulting Group. Third Stage's independent and technology agnostic consulting team helps clients define their digital strategies, define their roadmaps, and manage their transformations. With offices in the US, Europe, and Australia, our team helps the world's most forward-thinking organizations through their transformation pitfalls and risks. If you are embarking on a digital transformation or business change initiative, contact Third Stage Consulting to see how we can help you reach the third stage of transformation success. Learn more about us and download independent reports, videos, and other best practices at thirdstageconsulting.com. Hello, welcome back to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 126. My name is Eric Kimberling here with Kyler Cheatham. You can find new episodes of this show every Wednesday, streaming to LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also available on Google Podcast, Amazon Podcast, Apple Podcast, all the podcast platforms out there. You can find us there, so be sure to check us out, subscribe, leave a review, and uh, share with your colleagues. Uh, this is the podcast that has everything to do with digital transformation, including the people, process, and technology sides of transformation. So you've got a few hot topics for us here mm -hmm. today, Tyler. What have you got in mind? Yeah, well, first let's touch on this concept of the sweet spot of change. And mostly this is a study from Harvard Business Review that focuses on mid-sized companies. Um, and I wanted to get your feedback on, on this concept here. Um, so it's, it's more of a mindset. Um, unlike small companies with limited resources, 
mid-sized companies are looking for that sweet spot to rethink how they relate change um, to uncertainty. So moving from the this is how we do it mindset to what could be. Um, and they talk about they unlock the hidden superpowers of creating those new pathways through internal communication and scenario mapping specifically. So thinking of the how it is today or what it could be. And I wanted to get your feedback if if you've ever done any kind of this scenario mapping to really push one of our mid-sized clients or or even our larger size clients to understand the concept of innovation or what could be through mapping out different scenarios. Yeah, yeah, we do. And it's a lot of times it's uh, maybe a little bit less uh, clean slate mapping of scenarios. And in other words, rather than just sort of starting with a blank sheet of paper and saying, let's talk about what your processes could look like. Typically what we find to be the most effective is to start with what you're doing today what's working and what's not working or what could be working better. And then the third layer would be, you know, if we were to just totally transform and disrupt things, what else could we be doing that we haven't really thought of yet? So it's sort of like three layers. You've got the stuff you're doing well, the secret sauce you want to preserve. You've got the stuff that's inefficient or broken. It's sort of that low hanging fruit, the stuff you, you know you need to fix to be more efficient, more efficient and scalable. And then the third one is the more innovation driven stuff that's more like, this is really thinking outside the box. This is really pushing the boundaries of who we are as an organization. And depending on your risk profile as an organization, you're going to have a different mix of those three buckets of stuff. Uh, but I think the key is just to recognize and not get too carried away necessarily with that third bucket, which is what you're talking about, what the study talks about, um, because you don't want to overdo it or overshoot you know, where the, the magnitude of change that you're willing or capable of going through as an organization. Yeah, it's interesting. This study called it the flux capacity. So finding the area in which you really don't push that boundary into um, moving into so much transformational change that you don't achieve the business objectives or you disrupt the overall uh, status quo. So it's interesting that you you say that because that's kind of what that sweet spot concept really means. Right, right. And I didn't even read the article. So there you go. (laughs) You could have written it. Well, let's move into an exciting development here in the ERP world specifically. So Microsoft has um, utilized AI to improve its Dynamics 365 system. And I wanted to kind of get more of a a functional um, piece of feedback to say, is this really valuable when it comes to looking at an ERP system? So it's it's called Copilot, and I'm sure you've probably heard of it. But basically, it's an AI-powered assistance for their CRM and ERP systems. And just to give an example of what Copilot can do, it can create new project plans. It can also draft project status reports in seconds rather than two to three hours. Um, It can create a task and structure a proposal. Um, You can edit it or accept it, which we see a lot of things like ChatGPT and OpenAI. You can edit and kind of tweak it towards your messaging or overall um, goals. And then it can actually take data in the system and put analytics into reporting. Uh, So it really, it enhances the ability to kind of get data and project statuses out of the system, as opposed to having to have a PM, you know, draft all of those or having um, some sort of human resource to, um, 
to actually access all of that information. So it's kind of similar to what you were answering the question about um, generative AI in the uh, first hot topic scenario. Um, so interested to hear your feedback or if you've had any um, exposure to Copilot within kind of your client work or anything like that. So I have not yet used Copilot myself. Um, I've used other forms of generative AI, like ChatGPT, of course, but um, not not Copilot yet. Um, although I will say that as a consultant, a career consultant that remembers the days and weeks and months spent just in front of a computer creating pretty PowerPoint decks, um, I'm super excited to see what Copilot can do because I think there's a lot of wasted time and value uh, in the consulting world. I think. Uh, you know, first of all, it's grunt work, so it's it's not super fun for an entry-level consultant necessarily. For some, I suppose it is fun, so don't take offense, please, if uh, you are a young consultant that enjoys this stuff. But I did not enjoy being a PowerPoint jockey and just creating pretty pictures. Uh, wasn't something that was fun for me, and I definitely don't think clients like paying for that. So um, I think Copilot has an opportunity to really streamline and focus the value of what consultants can do. Um, and it's not just consultants, by the way, I think uh, I'm just speaking from my own experience. I think organizations and, and users of Microsoft Office products, as well as Microsoft ERP and CRM, um, I think it's a great product to sort of tie it all together. And Microsoft's really proving, too, that they uh, are sort of an impressive leader in this whole AI space, which is really fascinating to me because they're such a well-established, big, mature company that usually those companies are the, are the least likely to be the more innovative ones that are sort of uh, um, embracing these new technologies, but such is the case with Microsoft. So I think it's a, it's really cool. I, I can't wait to use it, to be honest. I, I think it'll be a super cool addition to the Microsoft suite of products. And what are some important considerations when you are looking at D365 specifically for ERP or CRM um, to consider when looking at the the addition, I should say, of something like Copilot or generative AI in the selection process? Well, I think it's like any sort of emerging technology or any sort of really cool bell and whistle that you might find from software, which is that you, it, it's great to see, it's great to know it exists, but the real question becomes, how are you going to use it? Or will you use that within your organization? Is it realistic to use? Um, if it's just a, a feature that it's cool, it's, it's got some novelty to it, then it's probably not worth investing a ton of time, money in it. But if it's something that can totally transform your business and you actually have a clear vision for how it's going to be baked into your business processes going forward, then and only then should you be investing in those those technologies. And I'm not saying this is the case for AI or any specific technology, but just in general, if you're looking at some sort of emerging technology or advanced technology, it's okay to say no to it or to say, you know what, that's not, we're not really ready for that yet. Let's get some of the more basic fundamental stuff in place. Then, you know, phase two, phase three, phase four, or whatever of the transformation, we might get to that other stuff. That's okay too. Even though software vendors don't want to tell you that because they want you to buy more software. Uh, it is important to recognize that you can sort of pace yourself and get some quick wins first and then move on to those more advanced technologies later. So just really depends on where you are in the maturity spectrum and your risk tolerance and all that good stuff. Absolutely. And, and turning to the audience, I'd be curious to hear from anyone in the comments here that has used Copilot and your experience around it. So if you can, just drop that wherever you're viewing and we'll be able to get some um, good conversation going. But definitely an exciting new innovation within the industry. Yeah, for sure. So. Yeah, speaking of the ERP industry, um, a congratulations is in place 
um, to you, Eric, and it's uh, from Solutions Review and the top ERP podcast you should be listening to. Um, so the number one featured on here is actually our Digital Stratosphere podcast, um, which has over 100 episodes and counting. And these are really bite-sized episodes, uh, so our shorter form podcast. And if you haven't subscribed to that, you can find it anywhere you get your podcast. Um, and then Ground Control is number three on the list here um, as well. So uh, big congratulations to getting on that list. And just to clarify, we don't pay for any of those placements. That's completely organic. Um, of listening. So congratulations to you and congratulations to our audience for making this such a popular podcast. And I'm curious, why do you think that that this podcast has been so successful and the conversation overall in the industry, Eric? Why, why did you feel like you wanted to start that? Sure. Well, first of all, uh, I'll also say congratulations to you too, because you're in both podcasts as well. So um, and I would love to say it's because you and I are such awesome podcast hosts. That's really, it's as simple as that. That's why we are number one, number three, respectively. on the podcast. But uh, I don't know. I, I think it's because um, I think it's a lot like our, our uh, YouTube channels and our mm -hmm. other social media outlets. I think it's probably the same reasons why people like that stuff is because we don't, um, we don't hold back. I think we, we discuss on this show and on digital stratosphere, the other podcast or sister podcast, we, we discuss the things that people are thinking but are afraid to say out loud or can't say out loud because they work for a vendor or that's just not the way the industry works, that sort of thing. And because we're independent tech agnostic, I think we can we have the luxury of not being tethered to, mm -hmm. you know, having to owe the company line or having to having to stay aligned with certain marketing messages or staying on brand or on point or whatever you want to call it. We can just talk about what it takes to succeed and digital transformation and help the, the community figure that out regardless of whether or not it's what people want us to say or what they want to hear or whatever. So I think that, that uh, I don't want to call it the truth, but that the fact that we just state that we're honest about mm -hmm. the good, the bad, I think that's what people really want and are, and are looking for in the industry. Absolutely. Well, that is a, a huge accomplishment. So thank you to all of you out there that helped us make this popular and really bring that transparency into the industry conversation. So deeply appreciated. Yeah. Thank you to the audience for uh, getting us that attention. And uh, all we need to do now is just move this one, Transformation Ground Control, up to number two. So we've got the number mm -hmm. one and two spot. We'll, we'll settle mm -hmm. for one and two right now mm -hmm. for the time. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Well, thank you for uh, for that update on the on the hot topics, and uh, we're excited for our first guest, uh, Judith O'Callaghan, who's going to be on the show talking about when ancient wisdom meets digital transformation. It may sound like a unconventional topic because it is um, partly, but it's uh, actually an idea that was triggered by um, my connection to Judith on LinkedIn. Judith is someone that I've known for a long time. We've worked together. It's a, a one common client in particular in Australia. Um, so our Australia office is how I got to know her was from our footprint there in Australia in the Asia Pacific region. And um, she, since we've connected a couple of years ago, she has started writing about ancient wisdom and quotes from ancient wisdom and how it ties to leadership and change and transformation and all that stuff, business type stuff. So it's super interesting stuff that she posts that I thought it'd be cool to have her on the show to talk about that and maybe unpack some of her quotes and bring some of this to life in a discussion here uh, in the show. So we're going to have Judith on the show here in just a moment. And then later in the show, we're also going to play you a clip that you and I did, Kyler, on our YouTube channel, which is a comparison of Infor versus SAP. So we'll play you that clip and discuss that as well. So stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to Transformation Ground Control. 
When I wake up, well I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out. Hi, this is Eric Kimberling with Third Stage Consulting and your host of Transformation Ground Control. I want to encourage you to read our Guide to Organizational Change Management. It's a free report or free guide that we published. It's one that I actually wrote that talks about best practices and lessons learned as it relates to change management. So as you know, on this podcast, we cover a lot of stuff related to the human sides of change, organizational change management, including training, communications, org design, all kinds of stuff as it relates to change management. So if you're trying to learn more about change management or you're looking for more direction and ideas on how to get started on your change management strategy and your overall journey, be sure to check out this guide. You can read it by scanning the QR code on the screen in front of you or in the links below for this particular podcast episode. You can find a link to uh, take you to the page that will allow you to register to go ahead and download that and read it for free. So be sure to check it out. It's the Guide to Organizational Change Management uh, written by yours truly. I hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think and hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Hello, welcome back to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 126. My name is Eric Kimberling here with Kyler Cheatham. You can find new episodes of this show every Wednesday, streaming to YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as on audio podcast platforms such as Amazon, Apple, Google, and other podcast platforms. So be sure to check us out wherever you listen or watch the podcast. So I'm excited for our next guest, uh, Judith O'Callaghan, who is a digital transformation leader and consultant that's uh, worked on a number of different high-profile engagements throughout the world. She's based out of Australia. And uh, as I mentioned before the break, she's someone I got to know at a mutual client um, in Australia for one of Third Stage's clients in Australia was where I first got to know her and uh, have since stayed connected and uh, followed some of her thought leadership. And much of her thought leadership focuses on ancient wisdom and how ancient wisdom and quotes from the olden days, if you will, um, how those quotes are still relevant today in terms of leadership, digital transformation, change, all that stuff that we go through as leaders within business organizations. So with that all being said, Judith, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Eric, for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, glad to have you here. everyone virtually. Yeah, yeah a, lot of, a lot of familiar faces on the chat here today, but a lot of new faces as well. And I have to, I have to, give you particular thanks because I have the benefit of being in London. So in London right now, it's only 3 p.m. You are in Australia, however, and it is not a reasonable time for you right now. It's after midnight. Is that correct? It's close to midnight, so it's good. Close to midnight. So so thank you for, for being here late hours of uh, your time. Excited to have you on the show. You and I have worked together in the past. And um, just to set some context here, um, the reason I wanted to have you on the show, in addition to you being so knowledgeable about digital transformation, business transformation in general. That's how you and I met. Um, I've also noticed in recent months and maybe even years on LinkedIn, um, I felt we're connected there and you post a lot about ancient wisdom and you tie ancient wisdom and quotes back to sort of leadership, business transformation, change, digital transformation, that sort of thing. So I guess um, before I jump in and, and talk about some of the thought leadership you put out there. Maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your background and how you grew up in the space and all that good stuff. All right, and thank you. Thank you again, Eric, for this opportunity. So a little bit about me. I grew up in a small place in South India. So it's kind of a melting pot, melting pot of cultures. And the place has been a, a place of trading 
for a very long period of time, like one of the ancient towns where many cultures came in and left their footprint. So as a result of it, I grew up with a lot of wisdoms and sayings from the past. And I've seen a lot of trading families apply that, apply that in real life. And like every kid, you, you take that experience for granted. So when I got into business transformations, um, I was asking questions myself on where do I get the source of inspiration from? So naturally you go back to the roots and with business transformation problems or so things that we are trying to find solutions for, I started looking into myself and then the sayings and everything, wisdom that's available around us. So that's where I got into it. And I started writing about it and I realized it is very powerful and the information needs to get around. So I started sharing it in the platforms that I know. So I've, I've been finding it very useful and cathartic. And also whenever there is a, uh, opportunity where ancient wisdom can help it is always there so yeah that's how I got into it too. well it's fascinating too because with what you do it, it's a good reminder that while some things change a lot you know technology and just the world in general is changing so rapidly when these quotes that you um, talk about on LinkedIn and in, in your social media accounts um, it's it's also a reminder that some things don't change, and there's some sort of universal truths and and things that can um, guide us, you know, as we're going through massive amounts of change and whirlwind amounts of uh, transformations and things like that. So, um, I find that uh, super fascinating. That's very true, right? So when I look at uh, Hada, someone gave me a different perspective on humanity as we talked about ancient wisdom. So, uh, the perspective is change has always been there. And yes, we are experiencing a lot of change in the last 10, 20 years, but change as such has been there. And humans, we have evolved over, over time with technology adapted. Countries came in and technology came in. It, it's just the type of change that varies. So, but we as human race are very powerful in adapting to that. So some of the lessons are very useful and we all apply it. Right. Knowingly or unknowingly, yeah. Right. So before we jump jump into some of these quotes and sort of unpack this concept a little bit more, maybe tell us a little bit about your your background in the digital transformation, business transformation space. To maybe just tell us about you, about you and your professional side of you. All right. So from a work perspective, after graduation, I was very fortunate to have an opportunity to work in business transformation. One of the very first transformations I got involved was for a sugar company based of nowhere so the objective was very simple how do we help that sugar company which is uh, literally based in a very tricky town to be able to sell their product so that's that's what got me thinking and I had the privilege of working with all this uh, all the senior leaders of that organization and their passion drove me and i was a young trainee put in the job so and as always, you learn from the environment around you. So I learned it and the passion of the leaders drove me. And then I got involved in other transformations. I worked, uh, my career took me to the US, to Europe, and now I'm here in Australia. So everywhere else, I'm experiencing very similar things. People with great passion make things happen. And that's very true in our world, especially in the world of the digital business transformations. 
over the last few years, I've run SAP Transformations for a Living, and I love it. I, I love what I do, and I love to see the outcomes that we achieve. And together, we are making a better place. That's what drives me, and that's what keeps me grow, uh, keeps me going. So in whatever shape or form, we are all making the world a better place. Right. Yeah, and that's what's cool about what you and I both do is that you, yeah, you're helping companies that are also helping other people, whether it's providing sugar to food companies or fulfilling a nutritional need or, or feeding the world or, you know, every, every engagement seems to have some sort of greater meaning if, if you, if you think about it and allow yourself Absolutely. to understand that. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. So, uh, I guess just to, to start then, uh, how did you, you sort of answered this a little bit, maybe I'll, I'll ask it again and maybe yeah. we can just dive into this a little bit more, but how did you, how did you become interested in making this connection between some of the ancient wisdom and, and the sayings and the quotes that you grew up with in your current professional career? How did you, what made you decide or what, what gave you that idea to make that connection or to start making those connections through some of your thought leadership? This is kind of interesting. So when I sit back and look, um, like everyone, you go back to the roots for your answers. So this is something I've been subconsciously doing for a long period of time. And last year, or year before last, something happened when I started writing for myself and shared it with very close network and colleagues. And one of them said, how about you try sharing it in one of the weekly standups or uh, a daily standup? Because this is very encouraging and it also keeps us grounded. And I started it and people recorded it and used it, uh, used it for their friends or family, which was good. So m the learning for me was ancient wisdom is powerful mm. and we should do something about it. And writing is something I like and it comes naturally to me. So why don't I use it and use the platforms that I have? So I started uh, doing it mainly for myself just to keep me grounded and get, keep me focused and also see, help me see the big picture in everything I do. And then I started putting that out and yeah, now it's a sensation. So last year, I think uh, by Christmas, we had about a million views. So that's mm -hmm. when I was like, yeah, this is powerful. I, this is beyond me. I need to start sharing a bit more. So yeah, here, here is where we are in the journey. So we are looking, uh, I've got a newsletter, which I publish with OSTTA. So where we put in transformation related topics and uh, I also have the opportunity to share with you today. So thank you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I was, um, I, I'm intrigued by these quotes because I was, I think I was telling you before we started, um, mm -hmm. the discussion here live that I have always seen your quotes because you're really good at putting graphics, you know, in your, in your post. So you'll have a, a, a graphic with a quote but then you have some text and I don't always read the text the way I realized, you know, how much, how much value is in them. And so I went back in preparation for this discussion and I started reading all the sort of the background and the, not the analysis that it, it's not an analysis, but it's uh, so, some of the storytelling that you do behind some of the quotes. And it's really interesting. And I'm actually, I pulled some of my favorite ones, even though it's very difficult to do. I almost got lost oh. in all of the, all the content you put out there because you have so much of it on your, on your LinkedIn page. So I picked some of my favorite ones and I thought we could unpack them here in a minute and talk about, you know, what it means or how it ties to, to the world today or digital transformation and uh, some of the more interesting ones. And I'd be curious to hear what the audience thinks as well. 
Um, so be sure to follow Judith. If you don't on LinkedIn, uh, follow her on LinkedIn because you're, you're, uh, I think you're probably the person that shows up the most at the top of my feed whenever I get on LinkedIn. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> That's your really posts, kind. So thank so you. The algorithm yeah. seems to know that I, I like your stuff. Um, thank you. So, um, what is it? So maybe before we dive into some of these examples of some of your, your ancient wisdom quotes and, and the thoughts behind it, what are, why do you think that ancient wisdom can help us with modern digital and business transformations? So um, my take on it is the answer lies in us for most of the circumstances that we do. So we've been blessed with a lot of change that our, our ancestors have experienced in the past and the wisdom is in us and around us. And that's what I genuinely believe in. So when we look at digital transformation, so yes, it's a new thing. It's been around for the last, uh, let's say, 20, 30 years where it has accelerated. But change has been there for a very long time. And the concepts of change is very similar. People change, people adopt, and people make everything better. So that's what we are trying to do indirectly or directly in business transformations. If we remove all the nuts and bolts of it, and if we look at the high level, what are we trying to do? Make life simpler, easier, better, and serve our stakeholders better. So that's all it is. So uh, my relationship to ancient, uh, transform ancient wisdom and business transformation is that pick what's available for us, use the concepts that are available for us because they are tried and tested and people have lived it to leave a legacy of, uh, of that quotes or those experiences and let's make use of them. So in any circumstance that we can. Right. Yeah, it's well, well said. And I, I totally agree with that, that way of thinking. I, I never would have thought to make that connection, but seeing you and hearing you make that connection makes total sense. And I think it's well, well said. Um, do you have a favorite, like, see, so you've spent a lot of time thinking about this stuff. You, you've oh. published a lot. You've written a lot about a, a bunch of different quotes, just, uh, just the ones I've seen. And I'm sure there's more that you haven't published yet or haven't put out there yet. Do you have one or two that sort of rise to the surface as, as one of your favorites? Yeah. Uh, so my grandparents used to tell me everything works out for good. So this happens all the time. Like, uh, if if I go if I go back with a you know broken heart or even a scratch on my finger or anything very simple to something very big, it, the always the first answer that comes from grandparents is everything works out for good, and I just grew up with it. And now uh, I got into positive intelligence, which is another uh, thing that I'm interested in, and I'm learning a bit more about how life works and how our mind works. So positive intelligence has a concept of viewing everything as a gift. So they see it as viewing as a gift of opportunity or a gift of knowledge or a gift of inspiration. So, and there is a lot of scientific evidence attached to it. So when I look back, I go, everything works together for good. It may seem like a simple quote, but it comes with years and years of wisdom that has been imparted in, in people in generations. So. Yeah, embracing things as anything that's happening together for good helps us or empowers us to use that opportunity to do something better. For example, the meeting that didn't go well, uh, a simple example, you go, okay, great. So that's an opportunity. Maybe I gained some knowledge out of it, or maybe I got an inspiration and I'll turn that into a gift. So when we have that perspective, we know we can turn everything as a gift and we are not afraid of things going bad because most people, when I look at it, 
it's like well this cannot fail or that cannot fail and that's what that's how i was as well so when i step back and apply the knowledge of ancient wisdom go everything can be turned to a gift let's put the best foot forward and it also increases our chance of success so yeah it's a right. valuable knowledge yeah and the other yeah. one is every information matters irrespective of who you hear it from and when you hear it from so my uh, grandfather especially had a habit of receiving all information so he ran a rubber plantation so yeah it's a big plantation so every information yes does matter whether it comes from any source so he used to keep a book next to him and record everything literally mm. anything anything and everything he hears and i i've been watching him and i asked him why do you do it he goes everything matters you never know when things are useful so it could be simple things like the price of rubber or whatever the neighbor sold the rubber for or to important things like um, it had records like the rain of the, the rain levels to various things but when we look at it in our perspective it matters so what we hear on the program matters what we read matters so our brain makes a connection to what we hear to what we read to what is reported so in a world of uh, you know, I do program management for a living. So you go, we are driven by information. So there is, yes, information and information can come from any source. And every piece of information is that is valued. So it gives us a holistic picture and then we can work out the next steps. Right, right. Those are two really good ones. We're here talking about when ancient wisdom meets digital transformation. We've got a lot more to cover. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Transformation Ground Control. A man if you are aiming for transformation success, turn to Third Stage Consulting Group. Third Stage's independent and technology agnostic consulting team helps clients define their digital strategies, define their roadmaps, and manage their transformations. With offices in the US, Europe, and Australia, our team helps the world's most forward-thinking organizations through their transformation pitfalls and risks. If you are embarking on a digital transformation or business change initiative, contact Third Stage Consulting to see how we can help you reach the third stage of transformation success. Learn more about us and download independent reports, videos, and other best practices at thirdstage-consulting.com. Hello, welcome back to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 126. My name is Eric Kimberling here with Kyler Cheatham. You can find new episodes of this show every Wednesday on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as audio podcast platforms throughout the world. We're here in the midst of a conversation with Judith O'Callaghan talking about when ancient wisdom meets digital transformation. Let's jump back into the conversation. Um, just turning to the audience as well, and, and uh, you, we already have some feedback from the audience. Um, Shivali on LinkedIn says 1 million views. Wow. That's so awesome, Judith. And that is awesome. They have a million views of your, of, of that specific content, um, so far. Um, someone else, uh, I want to point this out here. Um, oh, Dennis on LinkedIn asked the name of the guest. So I'm just putting your name up here again, in case anyone missed it. It's Judith O'Callaghan. Um, and you can uh, find her tagged in the, uh, the event page here itself, or you can search, you can also search her name on LinkedIn and you'll find her, her great content there. Um, I'm actually going to pull up this uh, quote is actually one of the ones I was going to uh, go to ask you about, but uh, Dan on LinkedIn brought it up as well. 
So maybe we'll start here and, and just ask, uh, here's here's the first of a series of quotes in addition to the two you just shared, Judith. Um, I yeah. sort of picked out some of the ones that I liked uh, the most and thought we could talk about those. But but Dan brings up one here on LinkedIn. He says, some things break our hearts, but fix our vision. I remember seeing that one too. I thought that one stood out. So yeah. what what are your thoughts there? Tell us, tell us what that means and how it sort of relates to business and leadership and transformation. Yes, so this is one of my favorites, and this is uh, not a not my quote as such. And Toby Mac captured it really well in his speak life. So when I saw that, I go, "Yep, that captures my heart at that point in time." So um, mostly, when we look at it in life or business or anywhere else, a, a, a key changing point would have impacted our heart in some ways. So uh, good or bad that's fine so it would have impacted in our heart in certain ways but some of the seemingly bad stuff when we look at it that's what gave us the power or that was that's what gave us the vision to see things that we haven't seen before maybe we took a different perspective or we or we just changed the way we did things or whatever happened so it's those things that break our heart have the potential to lead us forward. So this quote was very powerful at the time I read it and the story behind it was very, uh, uh, very powerful for me. So was anything that breaks the heart, yeah, it may have fixed the vision. Yes, it is hard and it's a heartbreak, but fixing the vision is a priceless gift that one can ever have. So it just sets everyone up for success once we know where we are going and our vision is clear. So that's uh, that's the flip side of that thing. Like, yeah, it, it is a challenge, but it's also an opportunity. Who gets who, who says no to a good vision, right? So that's what we all aim for. Right, right, well said. Okay. How about this one? Um, one grain of rice may tip the scale. This is one that I saw on your LinkedIn page as well. Tell, yeah. us, tell us a little bit about this one. So this one is quite interesting. Again, growing up, it come from a place which is, you know, which is all about eating rice. So a lot of rice quotes are quite popular. And this one, um, everyone used to say that it's one thing that may tip the scale. So traders normally used uh, rice as a grain of trade for many things mm. so when we actually weigh rice i've seen it happen so uh, you put rice on uh, uh, rice in a balance and it's only one grain that will actually tip the balance and make it higher it's mm. uh, it's a physical quotation so we may think a grain of rice doesn't have a lot of weight to it but when you put it on a balance and see the practicalities of weighing a grain uh, Yes, it does have a big play. So uh, things uh, that I heard uh, I heard about this while growing up or how the saying is applied is they always talk about it in context of relationships. So you keep investing on relationships and it's only one thing that you do that will make someone your best friend or uh, in terms of business, a lifetime partner. So you keep trading with the family or families. So most South Indian families have traded for a very long time. But when when we go back in the history and look look at it, it's one thing somebody did for someone would have tipped the scale, established a long term relationship, and that continues for ages. So they may may not be written contracts, but it's the contracts made from heart. 
so they are much stronger so they continue so i continue i apply this uh, in my world in different ways so i continue investing on stakeholder relationships or vendor relationships or anything and also being human and being available for people so most of the relationships that i have developed over time in our industry is because of that genuine investment in time and people the people we care about and also doing the right thing and that's the grain of rice or that's the currency of trade do the right thing care for people and always be there you never know what tips the scale yeah yeah malcolm gladwell wrote a whole book just on the, the tipping point and just how ideas and concepts and sociological trends how yeah. how they how they just that little minute push over the edge can can create that tipping point and i think a lot of times in uh, digital transformations business transformations the same is true you know it's it's a, a lot of times the minute details the one grain of rice you know sometimes that pushes it one direction or the other you know into success or failure okay. or, or somewhere in between so yeah. it's really, really good good quote um one of the thing one of the ones i really liked um and especially because you had a story um i believe it was i believe you you were talking a, a biblical quote uh, from mm -hmm. the bible okay. um about david um, if I remember yeah. correctly, I don't yeah. even try to uh, paraphrase it for you. I'll let you describe it rather than me trying to remember what yeah. you said. Oh, but it, recruiting from the pit, I, that wasn't the exact okay. quote, I don't think, but you talk about recruiting from the pit. And I love this quote because it's, I believe I never yeah. frame it this way, but this is how I recruit for our team and how I built the, the mm -hmm. team third stage in many ways. But I'd love to hear, you know, kind of your, your thoughts behind this, the story behind it and what, what this quote means. So, yeah, this is a, uh... A powerful thing, and I try to, um, you know, apply the apply the knowledge of of what I gathered here in different ways. So, one of the things my grandfather used to say, or uh, I used to sit with him as a child in the interviews, or when he hires anyone. So it's always about he talks about the challenges the person had. It uh, he never talked about the achievements or the laurels or anything that the person had. So. I used to look at it like when I attended interviews, it was uh, as, a, as an adult, it is about tell me the things that you have done and uh, what can you do for us. So when people ask about what, what, what you've done in the past, it's pretty much asking uh, what can you do for us. So it's the indirect, uh, indirect reason behind the ask. So, and then I compared my grandfather's strategies. Why is he always talking about the failures he all asked about the heartbreak and the betrayals and all the other things that people don't necessarily ask about in the interviews you try and keep it positive so and then i came across david's story david's a very powerful character because i like uh, david's character because his he his lifetime or his reign during the biblical times have had the most transformations so a country was just being born under a king and then he comes in and takes over the kingdom or he's been inherited the kingdom and then he has to work on stabilizing the kingdom and when he left it uh, or handed it over to his uh, the people after him the country was in a beautiful state it had finances it had everything that is needed so when i look at david is an amazing transformation leader for me. I get a lot of inspiration from him. So one of the things I started doing was analyzing the army or analyzing how he built the team. So 
I think I forgot the chapter where it was. It was First Samuel 23 or something. So uh, you might know it better than I do, Eric. So it, where it talks about anyone that is broken, disheartened. It, it wasn't a perfect army like we're in, you know, someone had so many stars or something. The qualification for the army was someone with a heavy heart, someone who has fought the war or fought the, fought, fought the battle, someone who has the scars to show. What a great thing. Like with this, where else can he get the experience? So when I apply, apply it in my world or our world of digital transformation, you go, let's talk about um, where people have had their hearts broken or it's the vulnerabilities that make us stronger. So, and right. together we can leave a legacy so that's how i interpreted it and for me that recruiting from the pit the concept spoke to me dearly so. yeah and you go on to talk about how it's about recruiting from the pit not recruiting from the pedestal i think is what you yes. said too it's it's exactly yeah. i think you relate that to you know building a team or a high performing team whether it's for a transformation or an it department or any other function in a business you know it's easy to go out and hire someone who on paper looks super qualified and has a great history and a great background. And that that's important. I, I don't want to be dismissive of that, yeah. but you also want to get into the character of the people that you're hiring and too. you know, are they hungry? Do they have something to, to prove? Are they going to want to collaborate with people because they like helping people or, you know, you just getting into the yeah. psyche in the backgrounds mm -hmm. of people. Um, I had a, I have a friend who is also, he's a, he's a high up executive at a, at a large financial services company. And he, he, he's a big culture guy. So when he, when he hires his team, it's all about culture. He doesn't care as much about college degrees. I mean, he, you have to have education and a minimum level of knowledge, of course, but yeah. his biggest thing is, is culture. And so I was asking him one day at a, at a, a social outing, I was saying, well, what, how do you get to the bottom of, of culture and how do you, how do you handle that recruiting piece of it? And it's really interesting because he said, I don't ask about their professional background. And I said, well, what do you ask about then if you're not asking about the professional background? He said, I ask about their upbringing. I ask about their childhood. I ask about their parents. I ask about what they did in school, what they did after school, what they did for fun. And he said, it just tells you so much about the person and who they are and what makes them tick and what motivates them and all that sort of stuff. And it also gives you a good indication of whether or not they're a good cultural fit. So I, I that's sort of what came back to me when I read your story in your post about recruiting yeah. for the bit, because it's, it's sort of like, you're not necessarily, it's, it's different. It's quite different from, um, it's, or it might be easy to misinterpret that to think, well, you're, yes. are you scraping the bottom of the barrel? Is that what you mean? And it's not lesser no, qualified it's not, people. Yeah. It's you're recruiting, you're recruiting people that are, um, you know, have aspirations and they, um, you know, they have a lot yeah. of character is, is my interpretation of that, that quote. Yeah. Exactly. And you're, yeah. you're looking for someone who will be there for the other person when it matters most. That's what it's all about, right? Right. We're here talking about when ancient wisdom meets digital transformation. We've got a lot more to cover. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Transformation Ground Control. Interested in working for a company that truly values your unique skills and experience? Here at Third Stage, we don't hire based on resumes alone. We look at the full candidate, experience, and willingness to provide excellent service for our clients. 
Within a technology independent and agnostic consulting firm, you have the opportunity to learn across industries with a diverse group of clients. Our consultants also have the opportunity to diversify their portfolio and learn across technology systems. If you're interested in joining a high growth entrepreneurial organization, please reach out to us at work at thirdstage-consulting.com. Hello, welcome back to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 126. My name is Eric Kimberling here with Kyler Cheatham. You can find new episodes of this show every Wednesday on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as audio podcast platforms throughout the world. We're here in the midst of a conversation with Judith O'Callaghan talking about when ancient wisdom meets digital transformation. Let's jump back into the conversation. Yeah, and here's an interesting follow-up here from Laik on, on LinkedIn, who says there is always, yeah, there's always ease and success after failure. So oh, that's a, very true. Yeah, absolutely. So it's the failure which becomes the foundation for success, right? So yeah, we can all talk about our success, but we don't necessarily talk about our failures. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's not it, it's not always as fun or as comfortable to talk about failure as it is. Oh, yeah. best, but there's arguably a lot more lessons from those failures than there are yeah. from the successes, I would, mm -hmm. I would say. Um, how about this one? Here's another one that, that stood out to me, which is a rock gives way to the root, to the tree root, while it does not budge for an axe. I thought that was really, really interesting. Yes. So, yeah, uh, first time I was told, uh, I heard this, I think I was eight years old. So I was trying to have a very hard time negotiating something. And with your parents, this was the, oh, uh, uh, yeah, and this was from my mom or dad at that time and said, well, look at the tree root. It always wins over the rock. And that saying, <laughs> saying was interpreted in different ways. So, and, uh, and the class teacher told me the same thing the following day. And I go, okay, how did it all happen? And they explained the story behind it. The region where I grew up had a lot of granite rocks and ancestors tried whatever they could to make it suitable for agriculture so naturally take a hammer and break the rock and as a result a lot of them lost a lot of hammers and a lot of tools and some person along the line decided to plant figs and the figs took root and broke the rocks and also created an ecosystem where things can flourish like because figs are quite big so you can plant under it and things can grow and also birds can stay in the trees and stuff so the story the moral of the whole saying is that look for a smoother easier way because it gives you an outcome in the long run though it may be harder you're getting a more sustainable outcome so uh, the i've heard another version of it which is like better to be in peace than being right because peace is better for business so we tend to get caught on being right, especially in the digital transformation world where everyone, you know, fights about being right. But right. that's okay. There is also a lot of value in choosing to be peaceful because peaceful people are likely to get more business. So you don't have to be right all the time or you're, you don't have to state that you're right all the time. Same as, you know, try the fig tree approach where we know the rock will eventually give way and you'll get a more sustainable result. You can still use the ha hammer and uh, all the other tools, but that's just another option 
if we if we have the time and patience. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's uh, you talk when you think about organizational change too. you think about changing people, changing behavior and, and getting people to buy into changes within a transformation. It, it You could take the axe approach where you're trying to force it and you're trying to yep. force people to change. Or you could take the tree root approach where you're sort of finessing uh, people the direction you want them to go or the direction the organization needs to go. Um, and I think a lot of times executives forget that because they think the axe is, you know, they can use an axe because they're executives. Oh, yeah. They just can. <laughs> so, you know, th so they think, well, we might as well use an axe. So I think it's a, it's Access, a good yeah. And it's also accessible and it's a tool of choice, right? So, you know, you increase your chance of success and you can see it during your lifetime. But with the tree root, you need patience, you need to grow. So, yeah. Yeah. But it's arguably more sustained growth oh, yeah. and more yeah. yeah 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 um let's see how we here's another one how we walk with the yeah. broken speaks louder than how we sit with the great tell us about that yes one. so this one again was from david so king david when i read his life so he spent most of his time with the troops his soldiers <laughs> excuse me So his team was interesting. So as a result, he had to spend a lot of time with his troops, uh, developing them, growing them, and all that, uh, all that good things that we normally do as leaders. What amazed me was that uh, he could have flipped and spent, spent a lot more time with, uh, with other kings or other nations, but then he chose to develop the team. And he did it with most genuine uh, ways of working. So this helped him develop a better nation. So when we translate it now, uh, it is the broken who actually need the attention, whoever it is. And how we navigate that situation makes us who we are. And we, we make us, we, we grow in that process. And we are better people as a result of how we sit with the broken. And you can always sit with a great, I mean, you know, it's very easy to go to the, you know, pub or a nice restaurant to have dinner. And it's really hard to be with a colleague who has just been through a failure or something. So, but demanding, thinking about weighing up who needs us most, it's the other one. Right. I'm just going yeah. off camera to get some water. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. I'll, I'll turn to the audience here while you're, while you're doing that. Um, yeah, that's it. Those are great points there. And, Here's a, a really interesting uh, comment from Kyler on LinkedIn. And Kyler says, I asked ChatGPT for the best quote around business transformation. And the response she got was, the greatest danger in times of turbulence is not the turbulence itself, but to act with yesterday's logic. Um, that was from Peter Drucker. So I guess you could call it it's relatively ancient, but not ancient in the way Judith is describing some, some of the quotes that she's been using here. But Peter Drucker is from... Um, the last few decades uh, has been putting out a lot of great thought leadership and, and management guru type of type of stuff. Um, so that's a, another another good quote. And I'd be curious to hear from the audience too. What are some of your favorite quotes? Whether it's ancient wisdom or just other, um, you know, leadership, motivational, business gurus. Love to hear uh, any any feedback uh, you have there. Um, so I don't know if you have any thoughts on on that last one or if you heard that um, 
Judith, not quite ancient wisdom in the way you typically discuss, but uh, but a traditional or, or a classic quote, I guess I would call it, uh, from Peter Drucker. Okay, everyone knows him, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, uh, I, do, I do, I do love him. Yeah. There is a reason why he's a guru in management, right? Everybody would have read him. We all would have read him in our MBAs. So, yeah. Yeah. He's, one, he's definitely one of the favorites. And some of the things that he has put forward in his book, we may be able to relate directly to ancient wisdom and some of it. Yeah. Right. I, I did find him very powerful. Peter Joker, yeah. yeah, he's he's good for sure. Um, how about uh, this is a good question from Kyle. <coughs> what is your favorite source of I know a lot of you, you quote a lot from the Bible um, and others. Yeah. But what, what are your favorite source or sources for some of these quotes that you write about? So this is interesting, right? So yes, uh, my roots and, uh, you know, I, I, I read the Bible and I'm a firm believer in it. So yeah, Bible is definitely my source and that's where my inspiration comes from. And I also have other sources and most importantly, the source of heart. So the heart knows what it wants and it always gets what it wants and it gets this information from the past and the present and some elders believe it's from the future as well so as long as we are guided by our heart we are okay so right. in life or work so yeah two main sources and also guidance from above right absolutely here's a here's another quote uh from laik i'm not sure who the quote yeah, is from but uh, people's people's deeds are a mirror to to the leader. The state of the people is a reflection of the state of the leader. What are your yeah, thoughts? Yes, very powerful, isn't it? And uh, positive intelligence talks about mirror neurons and everything. And leader seem to have a lot of influence. That is three times of uh, three leaders have have three times more influence than a peer. So. So if a leader is positive, we are likely to be more positive. So bigger leaders do matter and we've been blessed. So that's good. Right, right. Yeah. Sounds simple enough, but so many leaders fail to recognize that or they, or they don't fully understand the power that they have sometimes. Um, so I think yeah. it's a good point. And it's a responsibility as well, right? So as leaders, we have a responsibility towards our team to be positive and guide so that's our first yeah yeah so i want to come back to one this is actually the first mm -hmm. one i was going to ask you but um mm -hmm. i ended up going down the list and covering some other ones first but here's another one that i pulled from your your linkedin postings in your newsletter and that is let's respond with grace even when others don't what are some so, of your thoughts? yeah uh this is a powerful one for me so we are taught to like how do I say this? We are we naturally react to things and not respond to things. So and it's a conscious choice to respond. So when we respond as well, we have a choice to respond in different ways. So choosing to respond with grace is the conscious choice, and not everyone does it. So especially in tough times, you know, uh, it, we ha we have the right thing to do, the kind thing to do. So are, am I responding with the kind thing to do with grace? And am I delivering the same information with grace? So that's the questions that I ask myself. And 
I had this in my office and I have it printed everywhere because it's a very powerful reminder so that it is for us leaders to set the example, to choose to respond with grace, even if others don't. So, and, and the second part is it gets harder when, especially when you're in a heated debate or, you know, forcing an idea or whatever it is, right, in the world of transformation that we do. So it's about responding with grace. That's that makes everything smoother, easier, better for us, not necessarily for the other person. But we know we have chosen to respond to that situation or that whatever it is with grace. And it makes us better people every day. Right, right. We're here talking about when ancient wisdom meets digital transformation. We've got a lot more to cover. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Transformation Ground Control. If you are involved in any sort of digital transformation or business change initiative, you will want to download the 2021 Digital Transformation Report. With its comprehensive overview of business and technology trends and best practices, this report is a must-have guide for any transformation project or executive team. Download this free report by visiting Third Stage Consulting at thirdstage-consulting.com. You can also visit our website to learn more about us or download independent reports, videos, and other best practices. Again, visit thirdstage-consulting.com today to learn how to take your transformation to the third stage of success. Hello, welcome back to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 126. My name is Eric Kimberling here with Kyler Cheatham. You can find new episodes of this show every Wednesday on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as audio podcast platforms throughout the world. We're here in the midst of a conversation with Judith O'Callaghan talking about when ancient wisdom meets digital transformation. Let's jump back into the conversation that I think uh, maybe ties some of these ancient wisdom quotes, you know, sort of brings us back to the future, back to the present, however you want to frame it. But this is from from Rushi on LinkedIn. Rushi says, what according to you, is the relevance of a newly thrown around term called MTP, Massive Transformative Purpose. I have not heard this acronym, so I'm not familiar with it. I don't know if you've heard it or if you yeah. have any interpretation of this phrase. This is a very new concept to me as well. So, uh, you know, all I have is a very big, very simple Google knowledge. Right. We do have a purpose everyone is driven to. So my take on it is everyone needs a tribe and a purpose. So this is a blessing that's normally given to someone who hits puberty. So may you find your tribe, may you find your purpose. So it comes down to those two things. And yes, purpose is a big, big thing. So uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm not very familiar with the whole concept or the depths of it. Yeah, it, it just sounds like something, even though it's a newer buzzword, it sounds like something with that focus on purpose. It sounds like something that, you know, you might see or uh, relate to some of these ancient ancient quotes and ancient wisdom that you you write about. Yeah, yeah very interesting. Um, so what, uh, what other, uh, so those, those are sort of the mm -hmm. five or seven quotes that I had pulled out from your, from your, um, your LinkedIn page. Are there other ones mm -hmm. that you think are really worthy of keeping at the forefront of our minds when it comes to 
leading a transformation or being part of a transformation? Do any others mm -hmm. sort of bubble to the surface as, as ones that you think we should talk about? So, uh, I like the character, uh, character Abigail, who is the kind of the second line leader uh, during King David's time. She, she's what, she is his wife and also played a very big part in the leadership. So what I really like about um, that style of leadership is it was always working around the constraints. So uh, working around the constraints is more powerful than working through the constraints when we translate it that way. And it's translated from my native language, but not necessarily, I, I'm not using a you know, word by word translation, but the summary is, yeah, working around the constraints is always better because constraints are going to be there in some shapes or forms and all of that, all of that. And we may not be able to remove all the constraints. So there are things that could be non-negotiables that we may not be able to remove. So adopting a mindset of what constraints that we can work around enables us to get things smoother and easier and better. And also, you know, better, sorry, bigger is not necessarily better. So mm being purpose built is gets you far better far far further than than anything that you can think of and my favorite one is we go further by walking together mm. and and our strength lies in our differences and not in our similarities so this is an ancient indian quote and <coughs> and, and it's two phases our strength lies in the difference lives in our differences and not in our similarities and it's elders who know the way and the youth can walk faster mm. yeah that's interesting and so many of these quotes that you've talked about are things that can be re related to um any sort of project team building and leadership and, and digital transformation business transformation and all that good stuff certainly change management i feel like a lot of the the quotes we've been talking about are relative to how you lead change and how you manage change and how you collaborate as a team. And really, that's what these business and digital transformations are all about. So uh, it's very interesting. So do you have, are there any um, upcoming quotes that you are about to post on LinkedIn or write about that you, that you could share with us or, or ones that you haven't published yet? I'm just curious if uh, you, you have kind of a queue or a, a backlog yeah. of uh, quotes that you want to write about. So most of my writing is done well in advance in the sense, uh, I should say almost a year year in advance at the moment. So, and that's how, that's how far we go. The my next one that I'm looking to publish is on the elders know the way the youth can walk fast. So it's about a story on what we can, what, what we can do by under, taking time to understand the way, and then it enables us to walk faster. So, uh, so that's something that I'm uh, I'm looking to publish. I'm shaping that up at the moment. So, interesting. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's about a conscious pause to understand the way, so we can we can walk faster. Interesting. Well, yeah. you know, speaking of elders, um, I don't know if this helps you in uh, mm -hmm. in your writing or not, but I feel like it it relates to this discussion. But it, it just coincidentally um, before we started this discussion, I was going back through, um, I read all the comments I get on LinkedIn and also on YouTube. And on one of my YouTube videos that I just published yesterday, it, it's gone somewhat viral. And I was reading the comments oh, nice. on there. 
And one of the comments, yeah, I was talking about why digital transformations are failing at, a, at an increasing mm -hmm. rate. That's what the premise of the video is. And one of the comments here, unrelated to this live discussion, but mm -hmm. I feel like it is related, they, but they didn't post it in this discussion. Mm -hmm. But they, they said, uh, this is from someone named Seth on YouTube. And Seth said, uh, the boomer generation is retiring in mass and not passing on their expertise through digital transformations. Gen X and millennials need to do a better job capturing this expertise before it's too late. So That's again, totally true. Unrelated, unrelated to this conversation, directly yeah. unrelated, but it's very related. I mean, it's, That's it's very true. Right? Yeah. You know, we definitely have a huge uh, population who is retiring in the next X number of years, and we need to invest time and energy to capture their knowledge because once they retire, you know, we are starting from the scratch that knowledge is, knowledge would leave us so yeah elders definitely know the way so right yeah, right take time to capture them yeah yeah and it's it's the other it, you yeah. forget that sometimes because technology sometimes you think mm -hmm. technology is a, a young man or woman's game yeah. and older people don't know as much about technology or that's that's sort of a stereotype an inaccurate yeah. stereotype but i think a lot of times we forget to your point that the elders have this wisdom that years and years of experience decades of experience that you know how can we leverage some of that and that's exactly why we're why we're chatting about it here today absolutely yeah and the other one is uh always we look to leave a legacy so everyone whether we choose or not we leave a legacy and let it be a good one so right we have the choice and we can make it powerful and, and right. rewrite our story yeah right so I guess just to to um, you know sort of wrap this all together um, in, in sort of thinking about how we move forward with our change initiatives, our business transformations, or digital transformations, whatever you know role we might have on those. What closing ancient wisdom or advice would you leave with someone who's about to begin a digital transformation journey? Is there sort of one quote or a couple different quotes that you think are sort of encapsulates what you need to know or the way you should be thinking as you go through? A transformation within a business so my take on it is what the the quotes that have been handed over to me which is every information matters mm. even if it is from a from a in a very small source every information matters and value it this, the other one is everything works out together for good so as we embark on transformations not everything is going to be positive and success is not going to be a story from day one. So it's a series of small failures that will stack eventually stack success. So embrace everything, celebrate everything, because it's leading, leading all of us into something very beautiful. So mm. That's my take on it. Yeah. And, and I think it's also a good, um, it's a good quote for, just the the value of listening. I mean, when you're going through a transformation, it's easy to focus on the future state and the vision and the way things could be. And it's oftentimes easy to, to be dismissive or or to maybe uh, be flippant about the way things are, the way things were in the past. And you don't want to get too caught up in the past, but there's value in listening and understanding, you know, what people like about the current state or what challenges they're going through as part of the current transition or the transformation. So there's just a lot of, uh, you know, I think focusing on the listening aspect is really important, especially if you're a leader or a consultant. Um, I feel like those are the two roles where you need it the most. You, you need that listening acumen uh, to be able to, yeah. to 
do what your grandfather did or, or told you to do, which yeah. is uh, to to listen, you know, listen to and to say the quote one more time. Every every information is every information matters. Yeah, every information matters. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, every every information. Yeah, so that's a that's a that's a good one. So what what is you what are your plans for um for these quotes? Do you plan to consolidate all this into a, a book or or do you obviously you're going to continue it seems like you're going to continue writing these newsletters and that sort of thing but what is your future in terms of yeah. taking these quotes and these lessons so definitely continue writing and the uh, book is um, is coming along and i'm hoping it will be it will be ready by end of the year so it is definitely nice. on on this topic and how we can embrace it and the other one is we are looking at a podcast, so I'm sure Eric, you and I will have more conversations there. So good things sure. coming our way. Yeah. That's great. That's very cool. It's cool how you've carved out this niche, you know, sort of a very unique niche in uh, in a in a ever changing technological landscape. You know, it's 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 really cool to to see what you're doing here. Um, so what what are the best ways for people to follow you? Is it LinkedIn? Are there other ways for yeah. people to get all of you? What how can we connect with you? So LinkedIn is my favorite social media of choice at the moment. So I post mostly mostly there. So follow me there, and uh, I'll have the link for my uh, other publications in LinkedIn. So you can connect if, if anyone's interested. You can connect and read uh, read them there. All right. Thank you, Judith. Great conversation. Very relevant topic here today and a really interesting topic too that's unlike anything we've ever covered in the show so thank you for being here today um we've got a lot more to cover but uh, first we're going to take a quick break you're listening to transformation ground control are you looking to stay ahead of the curve in the ever-changing landscape of digital transformation then you need our newly released 2023 digital transformation report this comprehensive report covers the latest trends, technologies, and strategies to ensure your digital transformation is optimized for success. The 2023 Digital Transformation Report is packed full of proven methodologies and insights from experts in the independent digital transformation field. You'll also receive practical insights on how to implement digital transformation strategies within your unique organization. This free report is available for download on our website at thirdstage-consulting.com under our thought leadership section. Hello, welcome back to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 126. My name is Eric Kimberling here with Kyler Cheatham. And we just had Judith O'Callaghan on the show talking about when ancient wisdom meets digital transformation. What were some of your thoughts and takeaways from that conversation, Kyler? Well, I mean, what a what a really interesting topic. It definitely wasn't where I thought you guys were going um, when we I saw the live stream come on, um, but I basically ran over to her profile and followed her, which I already did, but um, made her part of my favorite. So the algorithm will, you know, hopefully bless me with some of her content. Um, but what an interesting conversation. Um, I, I love the ability to kind of break down that ancient wisdom into more of a technical aspect, um, not only the people side, but the technology side. Um, 
as well. And she's, um, I mean, she's so interesting in the fact that she has the ability to kind of integrate that change management talk track with the more technical implementation talk track, which is just such a, a unicorn quality um, in a consultant, certainly, um, especially in our industry. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very true. It reminded me of when I always say, you know, I'm a corporate dropout, but it reminded me of when I worked for a bigger Fortune 500 company and um, I was part of this uh, select group of young leaders and we had to go through this this specific training. And part of that training, I had to pick a quote um, that best represented my leadership style. And I picked one from Princess Diana that said, um, lead with your heart instead of your head. And people had to react to it. And the IT group young leader, you know, that they designated, he specifically said, um, you know, that will never work in IT. That doesn't, you know, that's not, we can't utilize that because we were more technical and who knows where he is today. But um, I, it reminded me of the importance of just embracing that opportunity to see things differently when it comes to putting together a leadership team or a core team and the opportunity in others' perspectives. So that could have, A, really hurt my feelings, or B, it could have taught me a lot about how that department operated or an opportunity to see leadership in a different way. So it reminded me kind of of that scenario um, and kind of bringing grace to the conversation. Yeah, that's an interesting uh I've never been asked that before to to pick a quote that best describes you or represents who you are. So that's, uh, I'm glad I haven't had to do that. And thank you for in advance for not asking me to do that now because I'm terrible at remembering quotes. <laughs> so. Well, either way, um, I highly recommend um, if you have a quote, I kind of want to make a content um, category around quotes. So if you have a quote that really inspires you, definitely drop it in the comments here and we'll kind of create and tag you in um, in some of our quote library so we can all be inspired. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of good quotes and there's, you know, I, we probably covered maybe a dozen of her quotes that she's written about, but I know she has several more dozen that we didn't get to. So a lot of really thought provoking stuff on there. So, um, uh, be sure to check her out on LinkedIn. And by the way, I didn't know you could add favorites or create tag someone as a favorite. So it'll show up at the top of your feed. I did not know that. So that's good to know as well. I don't know if they show up at the top of your feed, um, but you can add them to like your most followed categories. Um, so I'm just hoping and praying that she'll show up in my, in the top of my feed, but <laughs> the I more you so. get engaged with her, I, I think the more um, opportunity is to see her content. Yeah, absolutely. Well, great. Well, good. Well, we're, we're glad to have her on the show. We'll have to have her back on and uh, we could spend hours unpacking her quotes and still not have enough time to get through it all. So uh, it was great to have her on for the first time and uh, appreciate the audience questions as well. And I'm curious to see what the audience says as far as some of their favorite quotes too in the in the chat here. So look forward to reading that when you all uh, post some of your favorite quotes. So we're going to shift gears a bit, uh, move totally away, do a 180 here and move away from uh, ancient wisdom, not because we don't like it, because we've got another topic to cover. And that is uh, Infor versus SAP. We uh, recently published a video, Kyler and I did on our third stage YouTube channel that talks about a comparison between Infor and SAP. And uh, in that we do some analysis of how the two compare and how you might navigate that decision if you're looking at those two products. And even if you're not looking at those two products, um, it's also a helpful conversation because it'll hopefully get the wheels turning on some considerations that you should be thinking about as you evaluate whatever 
ERP system or systems you might be considering or evaluating as part of your software selection and digital strategy. So we're going to play you that clip when we come back from a quick break. We'll also unpack it a bit and discuss it uh, after that clip. But first, we'll take a quick break. You're listening to Transformation Ground Control. We'll be right back. If you are aiming for transformation success, turn to Third Stage Consulting Group. Third Stage's independent and technology agnostic consulting team helps clients define their digital strategies, define their roadmaps, and manage their transformations. With offices in the US, Europe, and Australia, our team helps the world's most forward-thinking organizations through their transformation pitfalls and risks. If you are embarking on a digital transformation or business change initiative, contact Third Stage Consulting to see how we can help you reach the third stage of transformation success. Learn more about us and download independent reports, videos and other best practices at thirdstageconsulting.com. Hello, welcome back to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 126. My name is Eric Kimberling here with Kyler Cheatham. You can find new episodes of this show every Wednesday on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, as well as audio podcast platforms throughout the world. So be sure to check us out there. So Kyler and I recently created a video called Infor versus SAP. And uh, we thought we'd play you a clip here of that video here today and uh, have a chat about it afterwards. And uh, this is very helpful, certainly if you're considering either or both of these systems, Infor and or SAP. But even if you're not, it's also a good conversation to really get the wheels turning in terms of what it is you should be thinking about or considering as you evaluate evaluate potential ERP systems for your digital transformation. So with that all being said, let's go ahead and roll the clip and then we'll come back and uh, discuss it some more. In today's video, we're going to cover reviews of two of the titans in the industry. SAP S4 HANA versus N4 Cloud Suite. Our CEO and founder, Eric Kimbling, will actually go into detailed reviews of each system and will summarize with some considerations around which system might be best for you and your business. So with that, let's jump into it. Now, when we're working with our clients, especially in the manufacturing and distribution space, those tend to be the types of organizations that are most likely to gravitate toward Infor Cloud Suite. So companies, for example, that are food and beverage or aerospace and defense or industrial manufacturing, those types of organizations tend to find the most value in the Infor Cloud Suite product. And much of the capability that has been built over the years within the product is designed for these industry verticals. In addition to manufacturing and distribution, we also see a lot of organizations in retail and consumer goods. That's another area, uh, whether it's fashion, apparel, retail, other sorts of consumer goods. Those are all types of organizations that we see a lot of organizations leverage in for our Cloud Suite for, and those tend to be the types of organizations that find a good fit with the Cloud Suite product. One of the strengths of Infor Cloud Suite is its flexibility, especially when you compare the product to other big ERP vendors that are designed to scale for larger organizations, products such as SAP, S4 HANA, or Oracle ERP Cloud. Infor Cloud Suite has a lot of flexibility when compared to those and other types of ERP systems in the marketplace. 
And part of the reason for the flexibility is not just because the products themselves are generally more flexible than some of the other systems in the market, but also because Infor has grown through acquiring other types of systems and other technologies. So for example, Infor acquired Lawson as one example, which was a popular ERP system used by a lot of government and nonprofit types of organizations, among others. And that's just one example of the types of acquisitions they've made. In addition, Infor acquired Bon many years ago, which Bon was one of the pioneers of ERP software and focusing primarily on manufacturing and distribution types of companies. But the whole point in here is that because Infor has acquired all these different companies over the years, it's allowed them to build a pretty broad and diverse set of capabilities that they've now been able to migrate and start migrating into the cloud suite solution, which is their, their flagship solution built for the cloud. So if this sort of flexibility is important to you and you're the type of organization that's changing very quickly, growing very rapidly, Infor Cloud Suite could be a great option for you. Now, one of the downsides of Infor Cloud Suite is the fact that many of our clients and team members have observed that Infor has somewhat of a old school, outdated look and feel when it comes to user interface. So when you compare Infor Cloud Suite to some of the other systems in the marketplace, some of the more recent, more modern ERP cloud solutions, such as a NetSuite or even Microsoft D365, it doesn't have that modern, intuitive look and feel that a lot of user interfaces have with other systems. That doesn't mean the technology doesn't work or that the functional capabilities may not be a great fit for your organization. But when you think about user adoption and how easy it's gonna be for people to learn the new system, that can make it a little bit more challenging in terms of just figuring out how to navigate the system and how to take advantage of some of the great benefits and functionalities that the system has. So if user interface is a really important part of your evaluation process, Infor probably isn't gonna rate as high as some of the other options on your shortlist, but it's something worth noting as you evaluate Cloud Suite versus other systems in the marketplace. Now, given the size and breadth of Infor as a company and also the products that they've acquired and developed over the years, there's a lot of broad capabilities that the software provides. And this is one of their biggest strengths is the fact that they're able to provide a broad set of capabilities that really does rival that of SAP or Oracle or Microsoft D365, some of those bigger ERP systems that are designed for larger, more complex, more diverse organizations. And Cloud Suite does a great job of this. Some specific examples of where Infor Cloud Suite is strong in terms of its functional capability are things like manufacturing and distribution, which I already mentioned. But in addition to that, there's a number of pretty innovative features that the system provides. For example, predictive analytics, especially within the supply chain functionality, is something that Infor Cloud Suite is very good at. So really trying to predict what the supply chain needs are, what the bottlenecks are, and ultimately what sorts of planning needs to be done for the supply chain, that's a unique capability that a lot of other systems don't have. Another example is the whole configure price and quote capability. So in other words, organizations that are selling complex make to order types of products or even services, being able to take different variables on the sales side and be able to construct an offering for a customer being able to price it out, being able to provide a quote, and ultimately being able to translate that proposal into an order that can then naturally and organically feed into the manufacturing 
and distribution processes is something that Infor Cloud Suite is very good at as well. And the whole configure price quote function is something that a lot of systems out there don't do very well. So if you are a manufacturer of make to order or engineer to order types of products, then this can be a very strong capability for your organization. Another example of strong capability within Infor Cloud Suite is related to retail and apparel and fashion in particular. When you think about apparel and fashion, you're dealing with different colors, different sizes of the same product, which requires a certain amount of complexity in your supply chain because it's not as simple as just keeping track of your inventory and orders related to one SKU or product. You're also having to track the color and size behind that, which can throw a curveball or a monkey wrench into your entire supply chain, planning, warehouse and distribution processes if you don't have that capability. So apparel and fashion and anything to do with retail for that matter is something that Infor Cloud Suite is particularly strong at as well. And then finally, one other example is food and beverage. That's another area that Cloud Suite seems to thrive and Infor as an organization and as a product suite tends to focus on and do very well in. And again, food and beverage is a unique type of industry. There's process-based manufacturing where you're dealing with not necessarily discrete units of measure, you're dealing with volumes. So you're dealing with the number of ounces or you're converting ounces into specific discrete units of measure. That whole process can get very kludgy and very difficult if you don't have the right capabilities. So this is another area that Infor Cloud Suite tends to thrive. So these are just a few examples of the many strengths that the product has. And these are some of the differentiators that we find when we're helping clients through their evaluation processes of Infor Cloud Suite relative to other products in the market. Now, one of the disadvantages or challenges of working with Infor as an organization and with its product suite is the fact that it has a fairly complex roadmap. And in some ways, that roadmap isn't as clear as it could be. And part of the reason for that is because they do have so many different products. They've acquired a bunch of different products over the years, and they have large install bases in a lot of these different products, which is a strength, and that's a good thing. But when it comes to what is the future of Cloud Suite, which Cloud Suite is sort of that flagship product that they're focusing a lot of R&D dollars in, what does that mean in terms of, for example, Infor Sightline or Lawson that we talked about earlier or Infor M3? These are three very common systems that are still being used by a lot of different customers. And in fact, Infor is still selling those products uh, to customers either as part of an overall Cloud Suite offering or independently of, of the flagship Cloud Suite solution. So when looking at what direction you want to go or what systems you want to evaluate within the Infor suite, it's really important to recognize and understand what exactly is it that you're being sold and demoed and what exactly is it that you'd be contracting. Are you, are you buying the most modern system that's available? Are you buying a legacy product that may go away someday? What exactly is that roadmap? And so those are some of the questions that need to be answered. And Infor is slowly starting to do a better job of articulating that roadmap but it's something that you want to make sure you understand and navigate because it's usually not as simple as just going out and buying Cloud Suite as of right now. Oftentimes you're buying Cloud Suite along with pieces or capabilities of other systems that have not yet been migrated to the flagship solution. So these are just some things to keep in mind as you evaluate Infor compared to other systems in the market. We are here playing you a clip of our analysis of Infor versus SAP. We've got a lot more to cover, but first we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Transformation Ground Control. We'll be right back. If you are aiming for transformation success, turn to Third Stage Consulting Group. 
Third Stage's independent and technology agnostic consulting team helps clients define their digital strategies, define their roadmaps, and manage their transformations. With offices in the US, Europe, and Australia, our team helps the world's most forward-thinking organizations through their transformation pitfalls and risks. If you are embarking on a digital transformation or business change initiative, contact Third Stage Consulting to see how we can help you reach the third stage of transformation success. Learn more about us and download independent reports, videos, and other best practices at thirdstage-consulting.com. Hello, welcome back to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 126. We're here playing you a clip of our recent video about how Infor and SAP compare to one another. Let's jump back into the clip. One of the benefits of working with a product suite like Infor Cloud Suite is that Infor was recently fully acquired by Coke Industries. And Coke Industries had invested in the company several years ago but in more recent months and years, Coke has completed a full acquisition of Infor. And what this means is now Infor has more money at their disposal, for lack of a better word. There's more money being invested in the company, which is going towards R&D and really furthering the development and the innovation of the product. And this is really important as you think about ERP vendors that are not, say, SAP, Oracle, or Microsoft, they're really big guys. When you get down to that next tier, you want to know that you're dealing with a software vendor that has the resources and the R&D dollars to really keep up. So these higher R&D dollars and resources are something to consider as you evaluate Infor relative to other systems in the marketplace. So Infor Cloud Suite, just like any other ERP system you might be evaluating, has its pros and cons and strengths and weaknesses. So the key is to figure out what the best solution is for you and what your priorities are and whether or not Infor Cloud Suite might be the best fit. As Eric mentioned in that video, Infor Cloud Suite has a lot of great potential, especially within its flexibility in the marketplace. Infor is actually number three on our top recommended systems for our clients and their ERP implementations. With any system, the most important part is that it meets the needs of the organization. So throughout your evaluation process, you want to be ensure you have a clear vision and strategy and understand the needs and requirements of your business. Some key considerations when looking at Infor Cloud Suite specifically is that the Cloud Suite product is still an emerging tool. While Infor is a really mature and sophisticated product, Cloud Suite, however, is still being in developed as its SaaS-based product. So it's important to remember that the on-premise model has not been fully migrated to the cloud. This doesn't necessarily mean that the product is not a great fit for your organization, just again, a consideration when looking at if N4 is right for you. Something that we see a lot as a consideration with M4 too, and a great positive aspect of the product is its flexibility. It is much more flexible than big standardized systems like SAP S4 HANA, which we'll talk about in a few minutes here. But it's important to remember that flexibility doesn't necessarily mean usability. As we always say, just because you can change a software doesn't mean you should change a software. Oftentimes when we see N4 being deployed or implemented in an organization, sometimes within an N4 implementation, we see organizations 
lose some of the basic needs of a successful technology implementation because of the flexibility of the product. They often dilute the overall core value to meet specific and very detailed needs of the business when really the more successful route is making sure that they activate all of the value-driven aspects of the core product. Specifically when implementing these really flexible systems, change management is a key tactic to ensuring that your project stays on time, on budget, and that you identify any resistance or disruption to the business before the implementation loses value. Another key consideration of N4 is just their overall saturation of support in the marketplace. When we look at a system like SAP S4 HANA that has specific consultants all over the world, N4 doesn't quite have the same saturation. So when you're looking at specific SIs or deployment team outsourced support, you want to ensure that they have those key competencies in deploying N4 within the marketplace, specifically within your industry. The last consideration I'll touch on today, which can really go for any technology implementation, is the lack of benefits realization. So when you look at something like N4, that is an incredibly flexible product, and say you have a very sophisticated implementation plan, which is great, but then you don't really look at the benefits realization metrics to ensure that you're maximizing the value of your system. The key here is to having effective project oversight and management really dedicated and disciplined project governance, and a key benefits realization plan to ensure that your technology is optimized to its full value. I hope that helps you understand N4 Cloud Suite and all of its capabilities and considerations when looking at it for your organization. If you'd like more information about N4, feel free to visit our website. We have a variety of blogs, our YouTube channel. You can search the videos for our N4 reviews. And then you can also look at Eric Kimberling's channel where that video came from um, and have some more information available there. So let's get into one of the biggest systems on the marketplace, if not arguably the biggest, which is SAP S4 HANA. Now SAP S4 HANA has a lot of conflicting and passionate reviews <laughs> from our industry. And because of that, a lot of times SAP is given a bad rap, but it is a very sophisticated system that's a great fit for many organizations. So just like Infor, we are going to bring in Eric Kimberling to talk about the specific reviews of SAP S4 HANA. And just like every system out there, S4 HANA has its strengths and weaknesses, its pros and cons and trade-offs, and I want to talk candidly about what some of those trade-offs are here today. Before I get started, I'll just note that third stage and myself, we, none of us are affiliated with SAP or any other vendor for that matter. So our goal is to give you a completely technology agnostic and objective view of the strengths and weaknesses of S4 HANA. Now let's start with the strengths of S4 HANA. There's a lot of things that S4 HANA can bring to the table. The first thing is standardization. S4 HANA's strength, just like some of the legacy SAP products like ECC and R3, its strength is helping companies standardize its business processes. It's built for big companies, it's built for complex companies, and it's built for organizations that are looking for efficiency of throughput and common business transactions and common business processes in a way that brings the entire organization together. So that's one of the biggest strengths that S4 HANA brings to the table, especially if you compare it to systems like Oracle or Microsoft Dynamics, which are generally more flexible systems that almost give you too much leash to change the software too much, 
S4 HANA is a system that drives more standardization in a way that helps enable that standardization if that's what's important to you as an organization. Another strength of S4 HANA is the breadth of capabilities. A lot of multinational, diversified organizations across the world are using S4 HANA. And so S4 HANA is built for these larger, more complex organizations, companies that do complex manufacturing or procurement or financial services, uh, distribution companies, retail. There's a lot of different capabilities built within S4 HANA. And being the largest ERP provider in the space, dealing with the largest and most diversified organizations, it almost has to have that breadth of capability. And so that's one of the biggest strengths that the product brings is that breadth of capability. Now, one word of warning as it relates to this strength, for those of you that have used ECC or R3 in the past or any of the other legacy SAP products, is that S4 HANA isn't quite caught up yet in terms of the breadth of capabilities of the older solutions. They're well on their way. They have more breadth of capability than a lot of ERP systems in the market right now. But as SAP continues its transition from ECC to S4 HANA, not all those capabilities are brought over yet to this new platform. So that's one thing to keep in mind, but in general, that's still a strength of S4 HANA. Another big strength of SAP being the largest ERP software provider in the space is that they have a big research and development or R&D budget. They are investing heavily in new technologies, things like artificial intelligence and machine learning, and a lot of bleeding edge, cutting edge technologies and capabilities that a lot of ERP systems don't have yet. And quite frankly, a lot of other ERP systems are trying to emulate those capabilities. So SAP is on the forefront of a lot of different technologies. Blockchain, for example, is another example that comes to mind. So a lot of things that they're doing to invest heavily in R&D really bodes well for the future of users of S4 HANA because they can take comfort knowing that a lot of money is being invested in the product to make it better as time goes on. And finally, a more technical strength of the product is the HANA platform itself, the HANA database. Now, SAP built the HANA database to decrease its dependency on Oracle to provide the databases, which is kind of strange because SAP and Oracle compete against one another in the ERP space, but SAP is actually a customers of Oracle for providing the Oracle databases to SAP for some of those legacy SAP products. So with S4 HANA, they created their own database, their own HANA architecture that performs very well. It's very fast. It's performs in real time, so you can get real-time visibility into transactions and work in progress and financial information. And every vendor says they can do that. Every ERP vendor out there just about will focus on the real-time performance, real-time analytics, and that sort of thing. But SAP's database actually allows them to do that with the way it's built. I'm not going to get into the technicalities of how it's built. There's other videos out there on YouTube that will explain that to you. But in general, HANA and the platform is world-class. It's a cutting-edge type of database and architecture that allows for a faster performance for the ERP system itself as it relates to analytics. We are here playing you a clip of our analysis of Infor versus SAP. We've got a lot more to cover, but first we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Transformation Ground Control. We'll be right back. Could you whisper in my ear the things you want to feel? Interested in working for a company that truly values your unique skills and experience? Here at Third Stage, we don't hire based on resumes alone. We look at the full candidate, experience, and willingness to provide excellent service for our clients. Within a technology independent and agnostic consulting firm, you have the opportunity to learn across industries with a diverse group of clients. Our consultants also have the opportunity to diversify their portfolio and learn across technology systems. 
If you're interested in joining a high growth entrepreneurial organization, please reach out to us at work at thirdstage-consulting.com. Hello, welcome back to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 126. We're here playing you a clip of our recent video about how Infor and SAP compare to one another. Let's jump back into the clip. Now, just like every ERP system out there and every independent review that we've done on the YouTube channel, there are weaknesses to S4 HANA as well, in addition to the strengths that I've mentioned here. And the first one is lack of flexibility. On one hand, I mentioned that standardization and common business processes is a strength of the product. But if you are a diversified company that has decentralized operations, that values flexibility and nimbleness, that standardization can actually work against you and create a lack of flexibility that makes it difficult to change the software to keep up with your, your business needs. Now, this is especially true when you compare S4 HANA to some of the other products out there. I mentioned two of the other leaders in the marketplace, Microsoft Dynamics 365 and Oracle ERP Cloud. Those are two examples of products that are generally more flexible than S4 HANA. They may not be able to drive the standardization of S4 HANA, but they can drive flexibility better than S4 HANA in general. So that's one thing to keep in mind is that you're gaining in the area of standardization, common business processes, but you may be losing on the side of flexibility. So it's a matter of what's most important to you as an organization. Another challenge with S4 HANA is its complexity. Because it's so robust, because it's so big, it's so diverse, it does so many different things, you change one little piece over here, it's gonna affect all these other pieces over here. And that simplified example of how one change upstream can affect other changes that can be very complex is a good reminder of just recognizing that the software is a big machine that's hard to build and hard to configure compared to other systems out there in the marketplace. So the complexity is something to be aware of and and you want to make sure that you have the internal competencies to be able to manage that complexity. And this is especially true since SAP has acquired other third-party systems now and brought it into the fold of S4 HANA. Um, things like Qualtrics, um, success factors on the human capital management side of things, Concur on time and expense reporting, Ariba on the procurement side. Those are just a few examples of some of the acquisitions that SAP has made recently to try and shore up some of the gaps in the core S4 HANA capabilities. And they've almost created this best of breed model now with these other third-party solutions that now need to integrate back to S4 HANA. So that adds a layer of complexity that could also be difficult for some organizations to manage. Another factor to consider here is cost and risk. Generally, S4 HANA implementations cost more than other implementations. Generally, they're higher risk. Now, it's important to recognize, though, that part of that is solution-based. Part of the, the cost and risk is because of the solution itself being complex, being big, being difficult to deploy in some cases. But it's also a function of the businesses themselves that are trying to deploy S4 HANA. Generally, S4 HANA customers are bigger, they're more complex, and they're more inherently going to be investing heavily in whatever ERP system they invest in because they're so big and complex. So part of it's related to S4 HANA itself, but part of it's also related to the typical customer profile that's trying to implement S4 HANA. But regardless, that's something worth noting that in general, the cost and risk of S4 HANA tends to be higher than other systems out there in the marketplace. Another factor to consider is the maturity of their cloud solution and of the S4 HANA solution in general. Now, one thing that's good about S4 HANA is that you can deploy it on-premise, you can deploy it in the cloud, and you can also deploy a multi-tenant SaaS, which means 
multiple subscribers to the same instance, for lack of a better word, of the software. But the thing to keep in mind is that not all the capabilities from ECC and R3 have been brought over to S4 HANA and either the on-premise or the cloud solution. So it's important to recognize that just because you've seen a certain function or you know that ECC could handle a certain function very well, doesn't mean that S4 HANA does that well yet. In fact, we have a lot of clients that have deployed the software and found some fairly significant gaps in areas like manufacturing, product lifecycle management, advanced planning, and some other areas. So even though S4 HANA and SAP as a company is investing heavily in R&D, I have no doubt they'll eventually get there. There's still some capabilities that are missing from S4 HANA as they make the transition to fully commit to S4 HANA. So I hope this has provided a balanced view of some of the strengths and weaknesses of S4 HANA. I encourage you to, anytime you're evaluating S4 HANA or any other product or comparing them side by side or against other systems, encourage you to get a objective view of what those strengths and weaknesses are. Really define what your needs are, what your priorities are, and evaluate S4 HANA and other options against those requirements. It's easy to get caught up in the bells and whistles and the new technologies, but at the end of the day, we need to look at what are your business processes and how does the technology best support that or not. We are here playing you a clip of our analysis of Infor versus SAP. We've got a lot more to cover, but first we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Transformation Ground Control. We'll be right back. If you are involved in any sort of digital transformation or business change initiative, you will want to download the 2021 Digital Transformation Report. With its comprehensive overview of business and technology trends and best practices, this report is a must-have guide for any transformation project or executive team. Download this free report by visiting Third Stage Consulting at thirdstage-consulting.com. You can also visit our website to learn more about us or download independent reports, videos, and other best practices. Again, visit thirdstage-consulting.com today to learn how to take your transformation to the third stage of success. Hello, welcome back to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 126. We're here playing you a clip of our recent video about how Infor and SAP compare to one another. Let's jump back into the clip. So let's summarize some key considerations when looking at SAP S4 HANA. We have a very unique situation in the marketplace as we are brought in a lot of times to triage an SAP S4 HANA implementation in large global organizations. Because SAP has such a high failure rate, it often isn't really brought to fruition within an organization, may even be a technical debt or a staled implementation. So one of the key considerations with SAP S4 HANA is the overall complexity of the product. This is one of the most robust products on the marketplace, so you'll want to ensure that you truly understand the needs and requirements and future state vision of your business operating model. SAP S4 HANA is the best fit for a very large, often multinational, organization that needs a lot of different requirements because SAP can handle that type of horsepower. But with any large technology change within a business organization comes risks. 
the risks are higher with SAP S4 HANA because of just the complexity of the overall software. This is where project governance really comes in to play a key component and often third stage or another independent advisory service is brought in to ensure the quality of the project that it stays on track, on time, and on budget. Unlike in for Cloud Suite, SAP S4 HANA is a very rigid system. Now this isn't necessarily a drawback or a negative, it's just something to be aware of when you're looking at a good match for your business and your company culture. Companies that really value this standardization or need that standardization across a large global organization would really benefit from a system like SAP that can set those standards within their operating model. Another key consideration with SAP S4 HANA is that total cost of ownership. As we always say here at Third Stage, especially when moving to a SaaS or cloud-based model, you need to truly understand within the contracting phase your total cost of ownership. Licensing, subscription fees, overall increases, and understanding the resources needed to go through this level of a large technology implementation. Many times, because of the complexity with SAP S4 HANA, we see companies invest in the contracting phase and have a certain number of modules. However, they didn't understand that they might need additional modules or support outside of what their core system comes with. That's just an example of how costs can get out of hand really quickly. To mitigate the risk of having your budget completely blown up, You'll want to ensure that you really have a solid phase zero planning. This is before you even touch the software. It's all an internal workshops to make sure that your company and business is ready to undergo this significant change. Something else to be aware of about an SAP S4 HANA implementation is because of its rigid nature, you are going to need a very sophisticated and experienced project management team. This is often where third stage is brought in to go through those PMO aspects in our mission control initiative. We support businesses by making sure that we bring our experience and overall excellent program management skills as a resource so they can still do their day job while implementing a large system like SAP S4 HANA. It's also about managing that system integrator, the software vendor, to ensure that the business needs are the true objective of the implementation, not the other agendas that vendors might have. The last consideration I'll talk about when looking at SAP S4 HANA is the need for change management. Like we talked about the need for change management in a very flexible system like in for Cloud Suite, this is the exact opposite of that. Because SAP S4 HANA is often the best fit for those large complex global organizations, the rigidity and standardization requires a level of change management. When we come in to fix an SAP S4 HANA implementation, we start with assessing the readiness of the organization. Oftentimes, that data showcases pockets of resistance that the executive or project leadership team didn't even know existed. That is a cancer to an implementation is truly the resistance of change that you're unaware of. And that happens on many levels with a system as complex as SAP S4 HANA. If you want to learn more about SAP S4 HANA, right here is our guide to an SAP S4 HANA successful technology implementation. I hope this video helps compare these two systems that have 
great positive benefits, but also some important considerations when going through a software evaluation. Okay, good stuff. Well, Kyler, that is our video about Infor versus SAP, our little comparison video. What were some of your uh, thoughts and uh, takeaways or questions from that uh, video? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that obviously was a lot of information when it came to both reviews. Um, and just a reminder that those are completely independent and technology agnostic and are built on our experience, not at all sponsored or promoted in any sort of way. Um, so that's what makes them so valuable to our audience is they truly are 100% authentic and independent. So um, the piece of that, though, that we always go back to is it depends. It depends really what's best for your organization. And I, I want to kind of ask you as kind of a wrap-up question to that conversation, why is that it depends so important when it comes to software selection? Well, because it, no one answer is the right answer for every organization out there. Uh, every organization has a different culture, has a different operating model has different people, different leadership, different risk tolerances, uh, all that stuff. So, you know, you kind of have to look at where you are today, where you're headed in the future. And that is usually what will most inform what system or systems are going to be the best fit for you. So that's really the the origins of the it depends obsession that I have. And I know you, you've given me a hard time on this podcast uh, more than once about saying it depends. And uh, that's the reason why is because you, you can't have a one size fits all or, or universal answer to everything, um, you have to really understand and unpack what it is the organization is, is trying to become. Absolutely. And I'm going to give two resources here um, on both sides of the video. You can scan the QR codes for our phase zero planning, because really what Eric's saying is you have to be able to know and assess the current state of your needs in order for any of these evaluations to be actually valuable um, to the organization, your overall evaluation process. And then also I'm going to add, and it's in the link to um, our software selection buyer's guide, that is a comprehensive playbook to how do you go about evaluating, selecting, and purchasing software. So um, I'd love to hear your feedback on those two pieces in the comments. They are relatively new resources, so we take our audience feedback very seriously. Um, but thank you, Eric, for those, those um, reviews. I know it's helpful to a lot of different considerations. Also say that on Eric's channel and our YouTube channel, there are um, countless software selection reviews. So if you uh, go into the search bar and search any software that you're looking for, we not only have comparison videos, but comprehensive independent reviews of those um, as well. So I highly encourage you to check those out. But um, thank you, Eric, for all that great insight. And we appreciate uh, you letting us learn from you today. Yeah, absolutely. And likewise, we appreciate learning from you and from the audience too. So thank you to the audience for all the great uh, participation. That's what I love about this podcast and just engaging with the digital transformation community in general is I learn so much from the audience. I'm just the one, you know, you and I are just the ones here facilitating the conversation. So I really appreciate everyone who's involved in, in creating that, that content with us. So uh, great episode here today. Look forward to seeing you again next week. Every Wednesday, new episodes drop. Uh, you can watch us on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, or and or you can subscribe to us on audio podcast platforms, uh, including Apple, Amazon, Google, and other uh, sources of podcasts. So wherever you listen to podcasts, whatever your favorite platform is, just search for Transformation Ground Control, and you'll probably find us there. So uh, great show, and look forward to seeing you next week. Hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next time on Transformation Ground Control. Take care.
in four versus SO. Mm, nope, it's not gonna work. Let me try that again. That's too long anyway. And we're here with Judith. Mm, let me try that again. O'Callaghan is it's a it's a hard name for me yeah. to say. It is. Yeah, it's a hard name for anyone to say. Sort of butchered it, but we're gonna let that one roll. Okay. Okay. Hello, welcome back to Okay. 